Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the former number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm, Barrett. Former. Former? What do you, former. What do you mean? Well, because we're not focused on Game of Thrones anymore. I mean, for the next, you know, ah, yes. couple hours, sure. Yes. And on Friday, sure. So then general, we just no. then we just become the number one podcast in the realm. Just, I think I think we have to work for that title. Point blank period. I think we have to earn that. Okay, so you're not ready to bestow that upon us just just yet. I'm not ready to self-proclaim number one podcast in the realm. Okay. Period. All right. Yet. But let's see how next week goes. That's that's fair. I just want to to let the clam fam know. That it's it's really up to you whether we become the number one podcast in the realm or not. You have the power. The power resides where men believe it resides. resides. I believe. Where men believe it is so. So if you continue to support us and keep listening to the other TV shows and, and films that we're all going to watch and, and love and or hate or just think are meh. Um, I mean, it's going to be a wild ride and I, I, just, I just wouldn't hop off the train just yet. That's what I'm saying. You better not get off the train. Train's moving. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna yeah, hurt yourself. We're blowing right through the station that we were supposed to stop at. Hey, here's a pop culture reference. I have the power. You know what that's from? I think it's Ace Ventura. It's He Man. Oh, He Man. I had a He Man sword when I was a child. You don't even know who He Man is. I do. do you? I do. I had a he- I had He Man uh, action figures. No shit. Yeah, okay, I like. So oh, I was a He Man boy. We were both masculine and manly enough to like He Man. Oh yeah, players. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Genius move to name their character. He-Man, so that any boy who wishes to grow to be a man has to be a fan. It really was genius. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Lisa. Lisa knows how important rest is to a better life. Lisa is the foundation of a healthier, happier you. To Lisa, a bed is more than just a place to sleep. It's a place for relaxation and rest. All Lisa products have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed and to transform your bedroom into a sanctuary you will want to spend time in. Lisa's most advanced luxury hybrid mattress is made with premium foams and springs. Yeah, premium. I love premium. You want your foams and springs to be the most premium they can be, Barry. I do. Because it'll transform your bedroom into a sanctuary you want to spend time in. Right? My bedroom is a sanctuary. Thank you to my hybrid, formerly known as the Lisa, just like Prince. Formerly known as the Sapira, just like Prince. Yes, the artist formerly known as Sapira is now just known as the luxury hybrid mattress. And it's the best for enhanced pressure relief with edge-to-edge support. It's the bed that I have. It's the bed that Barrett has. We both have hybrids. And Sanctuary could even be the al- the album title of a, of a Prince record. It might be. It could Is be. it? I don't know. I we, don't think so. We should know more about Prince. I don't know by heart the entire discography of the artist formerly known as Prince. Here's what we, we, we pledged I'll to you. I'll put that on the Patreon episode this Friday. If you pledge to us on Patreon, we pledge to you that we'll learn more about Prince, <laughs> his entire discography. Anyway, the hybrid by Lisa. It's the sweet, luxurious hybrid. It's the best bed in the world. I couldn't more highly recommend it. Grab yourself a hybrid. The Lisa is fantastic too. The hybrid by Lisa. In my opinion, just the tops. Okay. So go after it. Get yourself one. Lisa makes it easy for their customers to know they've made the right choice through their social impact initiatives tied to each purchase. So not only are you going to get the best, most comfortable sleep of your life, you're also going to sleep better knowing you've helped the world become a slightly more comfortable place for people who need sleep at night, which is all of us. Lisa donates one mattress for every 10 they sell. 
through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention. And to date, they've donated more than 33,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Lisa mattresses are made right here in the USA. In-home delivery and setup is available as well as financing if you need it. Don't miss out, Clam Fam. Live healthier, live happier by resting deeper. Order today. Get 15% off any mattress for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. Use the promo code dragon. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Promo code dragon. And keep in mind, when you get your Lisa or your hybrid, if you go that route, wink, wink, uh, you're going to get a 100-night risk-free trial plus free shipping and returns. It's a win-win. Lisa.com slash dragon. Dragon. So, Barrett. Yeah, before we before you say that thought, I did just want to apologize for Monday. I, I put ice in my Yeti like a doofus. And I think that it was clanking around a little bit. So if if you heard that, uh, and if it bothered you, did you get complaints? Uh, uh, well, Laura pointed it out to me. She said there was some clanking. I nobody now, actually mentioned now, it to me on Twitter or anything. Be clarified though, Barrett. Big difference between a girlfriend or a wife complaint and a regular person. That's complaint. that is true. That is true. But I just wanted to get out in front of it okay. and say that today, no ice in this thing. What about in mine? That I, you have ice you like that. <laughs> Here's what I've found. It's unavoidable that there are small noises. Of course, of course. I actually enjoy them. It makes you feel like you're in the room. Yes. Sometimes when I'm listening to one of my favorite podcasts and there's like some some fucking snacking or Mm -hmm. some ice shaking or something. Yeah, I do. I agree. You're right. It's kind of calming. There's something weird in (laughs) ASMR about it. I just like that that they are actually doing regular things too sometimes. They're not just like just so incredibly hyper-focused. You want your podcast hosts to have some personality. You don't want want them to be like Bran- uh, season seven and eight, <laughs> episodes one through five. You want him to be like Bran, the confident, cocky king who just screwed everybody that, and took the throne. That uh, fair. Um, also, the reason that I thought the He-Man line was Ace Ventura is because I just can't do it, Captain. I don't have the power. That is Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura. and it's actually Ace Ventura doing an impression of Star Trek. <laughs> So we are so many levels deep here. Very meta yeah, today. Yeah, we are layers and layers deep. Barrett, people want to know, uh, I don't know if you've, you recognize, like on our Instagram, for instance, mm-hmm. all the comments are like, so are you going to delete your account now? And I was like, why the fuck would we delete our account? <laughs> what a horrible suggestion. Yes, Game of Thrones is over. Therefore, Barrett and I are off to the Shadowlands to commit suicide, and we, we're going to delete our Instagram account. We'll sell it for $1 million. $1 million and not a penny freaking <laughs> less. Uh, no, of course we're not deleting the Instagram account. As I will explain time and time again in the next several episodes, our show is expanding its scope to the best of TV and film. Right, We're going beyond Game of Thrones, beyond A Song of Ice and Fire, beyond HBO even, believe it or not. Although, if I had to wager a guess, they will still occupy roughly 70% of There's our There's going to be a lot of HBO. Obviously, if you've seen their little previews of all the stuff they have coming out, it all looks incredible. I'm going to watch every minute that I can. Did, did, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you feel like they, uh, go, knowing the end of Thrones was coming, obviously that they probably spent a little more money and time on the production side of of making sure they had a massive, massive... That teaser was the best I've ever seen, is what my point is. They, it was like 10 minutes of... They are always really good. I think they definitely put even more time into it and made it even longer than usual just to be like... All this other, like we know Thrones is over, but all this other shit that we're doing is going to be tight as hell. It's always been one of their strong suits, really, that they've been able to, I think if you can think about back to any era of HBO, like as one era ends, or even every, there's many versions of this when a season ends. Sure. They're like, yeah, that sucks that that's over, but look at all this, oh my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> we've spent so much money and time, and you're like, damn. Yeah, they I, really are the best at it. Everything's going to be just unparalleled. Fun. Yeah, and, and on top of that, obviously, uh, HBO doing what they did and Netflix kind of coming into its own at the same time and then forcing Amazon Prime to compete and then Hulu coming through and, and now Apple's yeah. in the mix. And I mean, we're never going to run out of things to talk about. We really aren't. And of course, we're already balls deep into one of the things. One of the first things we'll be discussing uh, next week even is Chernobyl, HBO's show, which is, there's one part left, I believe, right? It's the one that airs uh, next Tuesday or Monday or whenever they do their yeah, show. Yeah, but I believe that uh, that we're two weeks away from our podcast oh, two about two weeks away Chernobyl. from our podcast about Chernobyl. Fair it enough. Does end, it does end this coming Sunday, but, we're, but it will be our first regular podcast of June. Yes. Okay, that is correct. Unbelievable show. Uh, many of you already know the story because you went to a good school when you were in middle school or high school or whatever. This version of it, this dramatized HBO uh, telling of the story of how this all unfolded at Chernobyl is absolutely insane. I mean, it will melt your brain. No pun intended. The Deadwood movie's coming. Big Little Lies is coming to give you some examples of some uh, HBO stuff, obviously. But I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And the point is, we'll be here well into the future. We're not going anywhere. You can insert the whole Wolf of Wall Street speech again yes, right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going big. Yeah. We're very excited to discover other incredible shows and movies and even music at some points with the Clam Fam beyond Game of Thrones. And of course, we will be offering our premium content on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles as well. Uh, as we mentioned, the highly anticipated Game of Thrones documentary, which is sort of like the last Game of Thrones thing we have, yeah, yeah, is coming out. And we are going to be doing two separate podcasts breaking down the entirety of that documentary that will become available on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles for all of our subscribers. Well, not all of our subscribers, but the ones with the t- in the tier that, uh, that grant you access in June, which is exciting stuff. And then obviously we'll be bringing more details on, uh, on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles as far as what else you'll get if you continue to support the show and uh, remain a subscriber on our Patreon page. So... All of that being said, it's time to continue digesting the series finale of the final season and the series, Game of Thrones as a whole, uh, with some hotline calls from you, our listeners, the Clam Fam. Again, our number, as always, remains 866-43-CLAMS. We've picked out 10 calls to play today and discuss, Barrett, over 12,000 hotline calls this season. Good God. Um, before we jump into the hotline calls. Oh, see, si, senor. I'm a little bit giddy today because I just wanted to I just wanted to talk quickly about legacy of shows overall. We talked about vocal minority a lot, right? That the most vocal people are the ones that had the most beef. Yes. And this this just applies to everything. Everything. Yeah. Well, internet culture created that sort of it, well, no, let me let me rephrase that quickly before I allow you to continue. It megaphoned it, right? Internet culture made the outrage machine and all that. Everything, that's always the way it is. The most vocal people are, are the ones complaining. When you go read reviews, it's most, nobody uses a product and goes, you know what? That worked as, as it was supposed to. I'm going to sign on and write that. Right, yes. People yeah. do write immediately when something <laughs> doesn't work as it's supposed to. So yeah. that's just the nature of humanity and, and the internet has kind of turned that into a megaphone. So I put this poll out on Twitter just saying, let's take the temperature of the room. The throne room, if you will. Yes. Over 70% of people voted in the in one of these two categories. Overall, I'm satisfied or okay, I can live with it. That I was surprised. A quarter with the positivity. Then a quarter said the series was tarnished. Yes. And only three percent said the series was ruined. And I was very happy to see that. And the and even people that that voted in the tarnished 
would were like I got one one tweet that was like the series was definitely tarnished. It took it from number one to number five. And it's like that's a small tarnish, my man. That's my tarnish. That's and the, by my level. I so because I know how to use the internet. Uh, I I went and I just did a little digging. Okay, and I'm gonna read you a headline from Vulture. And then I'm going to let you tell me what show this is about. And I've, I've redacted some of this stuff and kind of filled it to, in. To make it not. To make it. Okay, yeah. go for it. Let's see. Debating the legacy of blank. Did the final season tarnish the show that invented the blank? Then later, in, in, in the dialogue about this show, Dan says, for me, the oversimplifications the oversimplifications of this season brought to my attention the oversimplifications of seasons past, ones I overlooked initially because I don't know the world of blank the way I know the world of the media, which ended up, yes, tarnishing the show for me somewhat. And the, and the response here is, I would never argue that the show is or was flawless, but most of these flaws were a product of its outsized ambition. Lost. No. Damn it. What was it? The Wire. Wow. People hated season five of The Wire. Yes, we did. Critics went berserk. It was the because, journalism because, season, yes, right? Yes, yes. It was, it was absolute fuckery. And There's there was, no other way to put it. If and, you thought this was bad. And people debated exactly what we're talking about with Game of Thrones right now. If it ruined did the they show? ruin the show with this last season of The Wire? And now, with, you know, with, with, with time to breathe, The Wire is probably... The most common show that gets put at number one. Certainly in people's top three. Like almost nobody does it included. Like it's, it's usually, yes, it is always top three. Always, 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 always. I would wager a guess that it's usually in number one, sometimes number two. Some people put Sopranos or Breaking Bad at number one. Yes. But it is like a consensus top three show of all time. Yeah, and, and arguably even season five where things did become... Uh, the reason people hated it so much is because we kind of went from the streets to the uh, the the newspaper right. office. Yeah, the streets are fun and interesting, and uh, and and they're different than most people on television are, are used to, to. It's not their life, sure. So it's a new and interesting experience. Nobody gives a shit about how the news is made. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's incredibly important, and that's why they chose to do the season around that theme is because it, journalism and and the. Uh, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, I, the system that the system of journalism does a great service in every country that it exists, right? right? Like the the whole point of journalism is to maintain truth, transparency, hold the government accountable, hold other agencies and services accountable that the government is providing, and and it was an important thing that the Wire season five tackled, but everyone hated it. Yeah, and it was the final season of. Arguably one of the best shows ever made. And another parallel here is that they shifted. They shifted to what people felt was like a kind of a different show. It really than did. seasons one through four. It's, like for me, I binge watched The Wire for the first time well after the series had left the air. Mm-hmm. And so I jumped from four to five in the span of 24 hours or whatever and was <laughs> like, well, that was weird. Yeah. What a strange shift. For people who had a year, a year and a half, two years in between seasons when season five aired, they were like, what the fuck? It was it was a it was very dramatic in yeah. terms of change because you wait that long and you're expecting 
all right, let's get back in touch with the streets. And then they're like, and here's how the newspaper is made. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? So that's that, that's kind of, that's how I believe Game of Thrones will eventually be perceived. It will be seasons one through six. Seven and eight will be lumped together as mm-hmm. like a shift in what the show was. And a, and a kind of a necessary evil in terms of hurrying to get it done. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it, it's like, Look, man, if you bring if if you're up by seven runs and you bring in your closer and he gives up four, you, you still, still won. won the game overall. <laughs> it's, it's a like good analogy. That, like that, like he's he didn't do a very good job there, but overall, you're still when good. you look back at the box score, you won the game. Yeah. And so I'm just I firmly, firmly believe that this show is still going down as top five of all time. It's funny, we discussed yesterday, Barrett and I off microphone in one of our text groups, like he feels as a result of the reaction to the show, or at least that vocal mi- minority that's upset, the uh, instinct to become defensive yes. and yeah. defend the show. Yeah. And what was my reaction? More of like... You you said it's let, like the that being so close to the criticism... And the negativity... And the negativity has, has kind of like soured your perspective. A little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, for, for instance, you're going to hear more of it today on, on the hotline calls that we play. Yeah. And we're going to further discuss, but... Last question before we move into those. You saw the video of Aaron Rodgers, I assume. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't actually get to click on it. I saw it. Very, on, very good. I saw it on Instagram. I saw the caption. Yeah. It's not actually him talking about Game of Thrones, right? It is. It oh, is. it is for several <laughs> minutes. Um, which is uh, here's why it's interesting. It, Aaron Rodgers was an extra. He was allowed to right, be in the yeah, show, and uh-huh. we're, we're still not clear on. I don't think where he is in the show. He, he was in the episode The Bells. Okay. Cool. Yeah, um, he was like a, a townsperson running away. Has he been like identified? And circled yeah. on screen. Yeah, I don't think he has. He was Maybe talking not. like he hasn't because pe- they're trying to figure out where he is and he's not giving people hints. Okay, okay. And then they ask him, "Were you satisfied with the ending?" And again, keep in mind, this is a man, one of the most famous athletes in the world, quarterback for one of the most famous franchises in the history of the sport. Uh, clearly, has some plugs and connections that got him on the set and got him in the show. And he was still willing to be honest with reporters <laughs> and flamed the ending. Dude. Really. He, I mean, he, he, it's almost like he listened. And if you do listen, Aaron Rodgers, that'd be awesome if you'd come on. But uh, he was like, he went like point by point. Like, Bran had the most interesting story, and then he goes through all the characters that he thinks had more interesting stories than Bran. <laughs> I mean, he really did take the time. And you can see the frustration on his face. And I think Aaron Rodgers became the, like, poster boy for that vocal minority. Yeah, And yeah. If, if I'm calling it a minority, I'm going to guess it's probably like 30, 45% of fans that are that are at least slightly twinged by the series. I mean, yes. By this, the ending? There, there, there were, just like that quote I read from uh, from the guys talking about The Wire, there were, there were mistakes that are just... Inarguable. Inarguable, and, you can, and it's extremely hard, if not impossible, to overlook them. Right. So this that was so obvious and so vocal that a lot of the a, a, a decent portion of the group of fans that are normally just like, whoa, that was awesome. I loved it. Got like brought in. The... Got brought into that. So I see think that, that's that me, I, man. I do think that that percentage kind of like started like ticking up a little bit. But I also think that 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 when a spotlight is on a show like this, it, it, it's just every every minor little detail is, you know. It's under a microscope, man. I mean, it truly, truly is, though, in a way like nothing we've ever seen before with Game of Thrones. And and a lot of our discussion today is going to lead into some things that surround sort of these same, you know, topics, obviously. So if you're good, if you're good, let's move into it. Let's Let's move into it. Yes. 866-43-CLAMS is, again, our phone number. Uh, 
I'm not exactly sure how we're going to... Well, for us, first of all, Friday on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles, we're going to be doing another episode that's going to be uh, based around hotline calls from all y'all, plus the inside the episode, plus the the making of the episode, plus the sneak peek for next week that doesn't exist because there is no <laughs> next week, Barrett. Oh. There is no next week. Isn't that sad? Very sad. But uh, but yeah, we picked out 10 calls today, 866-43-CLAMS. Uh, over 12,000 calls this season, man. That blew my mind. That's wild. Thank you to everybody who called the hotline this year um, and that will continue to call it for Friday's episode as well. Obviously, if your episode or if your call never made the show, no, no offense. Like we didn't get to listen to even ten percent of the calls. There's way, 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 way too many. Here's your first one for today. Hey guys, this is Maddie from Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, I'm calling because you guys mentioned in this past episode that you thought there might be a chance that Bran actually might be a bad guy. Um, but I have to agree with you. I think that it might be a little out there. But um, he asked Tyrion, "Why do you think I came all this way?" maybe referring to the whole Night King theory that he's actually the Night King. He also told John that he was exactly where he was supposed to be. And Bran conveniently ended up on the throne before the rightful heir and got the rightful heir banished or whatever that bullshit was. In fact, the only thing he did with his whole three-eyed raven powers was expose John, which then unraveled Danny, which ended up getting them both out of the way for Bran to rule. And then he asked about Drogon, possibly wanting to work into him. I don't know. I, I know it's out there. I just wanted to see what you guys thought. Love listening to the podcast, you guys. I'm excited about the new ones. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, Barrett, this is one of the more hotly contested points of debate yeah. post-series finale. Yes. For me, it's the most interesting one. It's why I wanted to... We, most of our calls, I would argue, were about Bran. Um... Because it's easy to ask yourself now. It starts with one simple question. Was Bran a bad guy? <laughs> and then you can walk through all of the different things that happened. And you can talk yourself into everything after Littlefinger being Bran. Yeah. Which I've done. This is, it's funny. We were actually, just before we got on mic, we were joking around about conspiracy theories. Yeah. And... That's 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 what this one is to me. It's like it's fun and I do agree that the points are like are all there and if you want to make that argument you can do it. You can do it. But it's very similar to like, you know, the moon landing basically. A lot of evidence that that didn't actually happen. Okay. Lots of very good points about that maybe didn't happen. It it did. It happened. We landed on the moon. We landed on the moon. But like, you know what I mean? That that's kind of what this is to me. No, I don't. You can brand the moon landing. What just happened? <laughs> okay, like no. say, saying to say that Bran is actually a bad dude ah. and is evil the whole time right. is like is to me essentially the equivalent of saying that we didn't actually land on the moon. Okay, so you think it's like, a stretch? Is the point? What I'm saying is that the points all make sense, and you can make the argument pretty easily. What's but the argument? I don't, I've never, okay, here's the reason this is a weird one for me. I've never understood anti-moon people. Okay. You think we could have had thousands of humans, astronauts, all these people around uh, uh, Texas City and, and, and Houston, Texas, and NASA, everybody kept this fucking lie together? No. We, we can't keep a lie for 20 minutes. It's, it's the same reason why most, it's, at the end of the day, it's why most conspiracies fall short, is because to assume that, all that, those many, people. that many people 
surrounding a situation could stay quiet forever about it Hell no. is absurd. Yeah. Okay. Well, for, okay. Let me get to but, Brand. But, but my, I guess my point, like, okay, before, before I get f- completely flamed on the internet for this, it, you're, you're right. The, the moon landing conspiracy is more out there. My point is that I don't believe either conspiracy theory, but both have valid arguments behind them. Right. Okay. I, I I get what you said. There's some physical evidence, some visual evidence for both. Yes. For sure. Um, the thing with Brand that really freaks me out is is the argument that our caller made, which is he took the time to inform Jon Snow about what he, or I guess indirectly Sam helped, they both confirmed, Sam told him. He took the time to confirm Jon Snow's parentage. Then he took the time to spread the word about Jon Snow's parentage, which triggered all of the things that happened in season eight, which ended with him getting on the throne and saying, why do you think I came all this way? It really just started to like, I mean, okay, granted, I have not watched the inside the episode. I have not watched the, what, what I always forget the name of the game revealed game revealed. Yeah. Do they address? I've not watched either. Okay, good. Then I guess that's neither what we'll of get to neither Friday. of those were. I actually am not even positive that those exist for the finale because those are those things. I'm are, not either. Those are usually available immediately after the episode, and neither one was. Okay, I don't know. Uh, so I assume that they're probably up now, right? But, but they might not they be. They might have just wrapped that shit up into like the documentary and the bonus and the bonus stuff that we're getting, right? Uh, well, if later. they exist, of course we'll be discussing them Friday as right. always. But the point is, I have been foregoing watching those mm-hmm. until typically the day before we do our Friday show. And I'm curious if they've even touched on Bran and his impact on the storyline. And because Benioff and Weiss have done such a horrible job of quoting, saying things, that giving out sound bites that then uh, backfire right. <laughs> horrifically, this seems like the ultimate time for them to have a really good bad one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The the uh, I think something interesting here is... Um, Wow, shit! I completely lost my train of thought. Oh, it doesn't matter. I have a magic clicker. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. We can we we can keep going. Okay. Um, I was just gonna. I think I was gonna say. Oh yeah, yeah. Th- this all, both the conspiracy theory and what we saw on screen. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 feeling that you know he's there to take the throne as like a you know a a, a good guy leader, right? Right. A benevolent leader, if you will. Neither really can be argued in full because we don't understand in like the the weight of Brat, brand's magic. Yeah, and that's what's so troublesome. Because if you're going to say that he's a bad guy and that he planned all this out and that like he could see this coming, then it's like you're kind of talking about his powers and his vision of the future in a way where he could just manipulate stuff way easier than he did to get on the throne. Right. And here's what I what I struggle with is his future seeing abilities. We know he has the ability to travel into the past fairly... To see, yeah, to go see what happened in the past, right. But as far as the future goes... They they never gave us an ounce of what all that entails. Yeah, he never had a vision of... I mean... He, he had the vision of the of the shadow of the dragon flying yeah. over King's Landing, which we assume was like uh, glimpses into mm. the future. See, that's where it gets weird. Because it's I, like, I, okay, I, we were given glimpses, but did he ever have like... The ability to travel there and see the way he did in the past, maybe this is. I think the books are going to have to help us a lot with Bran and his power. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, because I think the show so. was essentially like, 
uh, we got the minimum amount of detail based around what this kid can do. And uh, frankly, we're going to be spending a lot more time based on some other calls talking about some of his characteristics. So we'll move on. Next call. Hey, guys. It's Nick from Los Angeles. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, the fate of John and why I kind of agree with both of you guys about it. So I'm, I'm with Barrett on the fact that he's sent away to the Night's Watch. Like, it makes dramatic sense for him. It's what he really wanted. And when you think about it, like, you know, who slayed Ice? Arya. What happened to her? She fled Westeros. Okay, who, sled, who slayed Fire? John. What happened to him? He fled Westeros. The slayers of Ice and Fire did their great duties to humanity and went away. And so I, I agree with the story of John being sent to the Night's Watch, quote-unquote, just to kind of like flee Westeros and do the whole thing. The thing that bothers me, though, is that when you look at all the Stark kids, they went through a great reversal. And this is just kind of going down like back to storytelling basics. A good story has characters that go through a great change. And when I struggle to think of John's great change, I don't know. I have like a hard time thinking how he's truly different from the beginning of the show, other than having done cool, badass things. Anyways, those are my two cents. Keep doing what you're doing. Well, I mean, I, in new forms, I guess. Keep doing new things. Take care. Have a good one. Okay. Uh, first off, reminds me again of Frodo and Bilbo being sent away at the end mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Germ loves Tolkien, right? Yes. So there, so there you go. Uh, but let's talk about how each surviving character is different from the beginning of the show. First of all, Jon Snow, the one he was like, I'm having trouble thinking of a specific thing other than the badass stuff he did. Well, he died, sir. He was murdered, yeah, and then he, brought back to life. His 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 ultimate transformation, even I, I would say, like maybe the re- maybe the reason why it's not so visible here in the end is because his transformation actually happens like in the middle of the series. Like, kill the boy, let is, the man live. Let yeah. the man live is basically the the transformation for Jon Snow. But uh, great call, by the way. And what it just made me think of is, uh an article that somebody sent me that I read, and I was you know I was iffy on the critiques. It seemed overly critical in its way of kind of like demanding that this story overall say more basically okay, yes. instead of just trying to be a good story thank you, you know this what I mean? has been part of my problem with a lot of the, the uh, criticism but one thing that it mentioned was how it seemed to be an underlying theme of the show that the people that can move away from rage move away from anger, move away from like vengeance and spite and all of these like right. these emotions are the ones that the show is saying are most fit to rule essentially. Yes. So Cersei extremely mad at everything. Daenerys obviously gets very very mad Barrett, at everything prone, and, bo- and bottles and like prone lets to being this, worked up. lets this rage explode. Yes. Whereas the two people who seemed to be most fit for the throne and then the person that ends up being the hand, almost no matter what, yeah. are like the logicians that are constantly like thinking that see the big picture. John, who like, who understands that it that that it's humanity that matters more than the people arguing about the throne. Tyrion, who like, who's always calm and collected and like tries to to you know. I would argue all of this stems you, from you know, selfishness versus not selfishness. The, y- the, yeah. the only quality, the quality of a good leader versus a bad leader that I think all that is drawn from is selfishness. Cersei, selfish. Cared right. about the Lannisters, cared about her kids only. Fuck everybody else. Yep. I mean, it's repeatedly said by either her or Jamie. no one else matters. Yep. Danny, selfish. Yep. Cared about her line, her lineage, her right, her birth, all that. It was all about her at sure. the end of the day. 
And Jon Snow, Tyrion, these good guy characters, maybe not Bran, he's up in the air, uh, <laughs> they were unselfish. They cared for the people, and that's what it takes to be a good leader. I thought that was an incredible comparison. One more thing before I forget, before you continue. I loved, I thought this was another secondary transformation for Jon Snow that could be argued for. That at the end of the show, when he's sent north, part of the message for me was, fuck all this. It's not worth it. Yeah. The system is broken. All of this shit is bad. It can't be fixed. (laughs) And it's best to just go live in Montana or Wyoming, do some fly fishing (laughs) and some hunting, and then fucking die. (laughs) I'm serious, man. Yeah, yeah. Did you not get that as part of like... It, I really genuinely, because this I feel this way sometimes in our reality, in the real world in 2019. Like, even if you're trying to do good, bro, you're a speck of sand on the beach. Right. You can't battle that wave. I mean, you could try, do your part, but and this is this is not the reality. This is the way it feels sometimes right. as a human. You could try, you can do your part, but then at the end of the day, man, you might just have to go north with Tormund. Yes, and I think that. Yeah, and I, I mean. The, John kind of always told us as much as well that he was not interested in the in the politicking. I don't and want the, it. Yeah. How many times did he say it? Forty. Yeah. And so he absolutely like w- the part of that was yeah. I'm 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 out, man. This the, is I didn't want to be involved in any of this anyway. And once the shit really hit the fan, and he had to kill Danny, it was yeah. like I don't believe to him leadership was an option anymore. Right. He he was essentially he had sacrificed every bit of his self. For the people, and he was done. It, yeah. it was time to be sent off like Frodo. Yeah. Uh, final thought on the transformation. That just jumping real quick back into the um, emotional anger part of things. When in season one and season two, at the beginning of his tenure with the Nights Watch, mm-hmm. or I guess that all starts in season one. But he's he's angry. Remember, he's sitting outside at Winterfell, yeah, like teen. beating the shit out of the, the you know the the dummy, yeah. the dummy. Like he has this severe emotion this 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 kind of anger about the hand that the world dealt him yeah so uh, in the long run i think that's kind of also the, the true, transformation yeah. is that he comes that to accept away. it and and I, one of his big points at the end of the day was also like the, the name the name that you're given is not what defines you that's very true i mean especially if you consider the way things unfolded for him in that first season with Catelyn Stark as his mother who fucking hates him and, and everybody basically shits on John for right. a little I mean he's getting made fun of he gets the runt of the direwolf litter he doesn't get to go to the feast he's stuck outside beating on that <laughs> thing by himself talking with drunk Tyrion and then you go from that to where he ended up and it's just I mean I, I really struggled with John's ending at after my first watch and the more time that has passed the more I'm like they just didn't do a good enough job of portraying that it was sort of a wink-wink situation. Mm-hmm. Every Like, John kind of knew, they kind of knew, everybody was kind of like, yeah, no, he's totally going to the Night's Watch, Grey Worm, it's going to be hell up there, he's going to have to, you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, really, yeah. it was a deal that worked out for everybody, everybody won. They didn't get that to me in my brain, and, and it took some time. Anyway, yep. Sansa... Uh, obviously underwent a massive transformation as a character. Going from a little girl who wanted nothing more than to be princess or queen or whatever, it was all a fairy tale world world for her. She knew nothing of reality, of harshness, of evil. And then she went through Joffrey, she went through Ramsay, she went through Littlefinger, she went through all the things she went through, and she ends up this uh, queen in the north, incredibly powerful female figure who... Outside of her, uh, you know, all-knowing brother, arguably played the game better than anybody else to end up where she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, she learned a lot from 
bad and good characters. She had influences like uh, her honorable dad, Ned Stark, but then she also had Cersei Lannister, who influenced her. She she ended up being one of the more complex characters on the show for me, because in the end, you never got the impression Sansa was Team World or Team Earth or whatever you want to call it. Like, I never felt she was like... Now it's time to make sure the future of humanity is secure and that we're all safe and sound together as a family. Yep. She was like, and now I will take care of myself and my kingdom and my people and everyone else can screw off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Arya, on the other hand, had to learn a shitload. We had to watch a lot of it painfully. She had to learn how to survive alone in the world after watching her dad get his head chopped off, or at least she was present while that happened. Tra- trained by the faceless men in Jock and Agar to become this ninja assassin that ends up taking out the Night King. Uh, huge transformation as a character. I mean, Absolutely. come on. And by the way, they're already trying to put the kibosh on the Arya spinoff hype. Did you see that? <laughs> it's the one that most people were hyped on, like, the adventures of Arya. It definitely was the one that would make the most sense. At least, like, from, especially in terms of, like, a we don't care that this is really cheap. Right, yeah. I would have been totally down with it, like, screw it, let's have some fun. Yeah. Uh, bec- and especially because I think that'd be the best use of her, use of her abilities is that insulting i don't want it to be i don't mean it to be but i think she'd it's almost like you found your lane ride that bitch uh anyway Tyrion goes from a drunken little ledger to hand of the king back to a drunken little ledger to hand of the queen to losing his entire family back to hand of the king (laughs) if you start to go piece by piece through these characters and then you still want to argue that the show wasn't good i'll fight you (laughs) Bran goes from climbing addicted prepubescent twit to wheelchair warging king of the six kingdoms. Uh, wink, wink, Sansa, you better keep that ass in line. I, I still, another piece of Bran is that I'm like, I think he let his sister do that, but I don't think he has, clear. <laughs> he's still sort of ruling over the North. He's her brother. He can tell her what to do, and he's all knowing. I mean, and then finally, uh, I just want to say that if you, if you have, take issue with like the government today, our, our our present day world and the amount of information that is unsecure and that is out there and that the government sinks its teeth into and gets its eyeballs on. If you think the fucking NSA is bad, wait till Bran goes full peeping Tom on the citizens of King's <laughs> Landing. You think he was warging too much and watching too much porn before? It's going to get weird here, folks. Next call. I'm too annoyed to even say my name or anything. You guys are literally shitting on Sansa so hard. I just called in the middle of this you're like it makes no fucking sense why she would want the north to be free when bran is her fucking brother king well she's not a fucking idiot and she knows that the fucking future people are gonna want to take advantage of the north again and she's trying to protect the future like come on no shit like it was like that for thousands of years and she's trying to make it like that again like i don't see what's so hard and all the other kingdoms are pieces of shit anyway half of them didn't even help in the great war so they can suck her fucking balls and she can get her fucking independence if she wants it. Okay, bye. You're never going to listen to this, so it doesn't matter. So, bye. <laughs> we did, <laughs> and it does, very much. Uh, no, everyone is making this argument, right? Sansa secured the North for generations to come long after Bran is gone is essentially the argument I'm seeing made for why it would matter that the North gets its independence when Bran is the king of... of, It's the same conversation we were just having. The problems for me, and there's an S on the end, all the other kingdoms, uh, yes, sure, there are ones that didn't do dick, and those kingdoms should not... Nobody. I don't even know why they're being given a seat at the table, frankly. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit weird that we invited, like, Edmure Tully to come to the party. (laughs) 
But whatever, fine. I can I can hand wave away that yes, the most important and powerful families would all have to be invited to this. Yeah, and there's not that many important powerful families left, so like Tullys are getting a bump in the status. Exactly. Rankings, that's that's sort of part of the problem. But I have a really I I just struggle with like Sansa almost it, it's almost immediately she's like I I love you little brother you're gonna be a great king, but. I have never shifted my mindset away from the North demanding its independence. And like, it, it just is, it's hard to, it's hard to see everything that just unfolded. The burning of King's Landing, the the saving of Winterfell, the murder of the Night King, the all the shit that just happened and Sansa never broke away from just focusing on the North. Right, right. I just find I, that hard to believe. I, and again, it, it was really... It wasn't so much what Sansa wanted there at the end that she wanted the North to be independent. I mean, that's fine. That's like what that's what Rob Stark was fighting for. That's what the the Starks in general wanted, and like like the caller said, right. Like, the only argument the, there the, is it's like the way that the North had been for a long time, but before all you know the Seven sure. Kingdoms, it, it was just a awkward scene for me right. more more than anything where. Sansa gets to whisper in her brother's ear who she's sitting right next to like yeah 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 all this is super tight but we, but we're going to be independent right. but but the north gets to be independent but i also want a crown none of these other none of these other ones but we we get to be independent that that's where i mean that was like the because like just imagine that they had not picked bran and she had said that what what's the other, like does she get her way there Fuck probably not anyone else would have been like uh no the whole point of this was to unite all of us R- right so we're going to go ahead and do that yeah so that that's my that's really my it, it was just it was just kind of funny to me more than anything and remember the point that she gets the, to abuse the, her privilege as the sister of the new king it, within 5 seconds to secure Winterfell as independence remember or when the north's independence yara is negotiating with danny and she's like but the iron islands will be an independent nation and danny's like fine yeah sure even yara doesn't stand up in the circle like well, hold up now, bitch. <laughs> if you're going to be independent, so are we. You know what I mean? These are the Iron Islanders, people. If right, anybody's right. going to freak out about having to serve under the crown, it's going to be them. They've already rebelled once and lost. Uh, and everything's gone horribly wrong ever since. But, hell, at this point, you could argue the Iron Islanders have made some of the least shitty decisions out of all the families. It, it, the point is, it felt weird because it's her in front of everyone else being like, and we are special. Yeah. <laughs> yes, And exactly. nobody else can say anything. It, it just... I understand those of you who think that, that feel it from the northern side and the history of it all or whatever, fine. But it just didn't play out correctly on screen to get us the message that we were supposed to get, I don't think. Because it still, still doesn't ring true to me to argue, oh, well, no, it's just because the north, it, it was always this way from long before the kingdoms were established and now we're getting back to that, like... Okay, but it still doesn't make sense in terms of we all just fought to survive the great night, the long night, death we defeated together, and now now we're fragmenting. I just, I struggled with it. Next call. Hey, guys. Love the show. This is Molly from New York. Just going to discuss Bran. I was confused about the decision to name Bran King as well. I thought it was a poor choice to elect this all-knowing, omniscient person, um, All the stories I've read recently with all-knowing characters have turned out evil. And usually this is unintentional. These characters are obviously not three-eyed ravens, but instead they were AI or robots or computers. And all these characters, as Bran has sort of 
claims are at their core not human. So this led me to think, you know, as you guys mentioned, Bran could have been that led the one that led Drogon to burn the thousands of people, um, you know, to kind of twist the story uh, because he thought it was for the greater good for himself to end on the throne. And since if he is more robot than human, you know, he doesn't have that set of morals or ethics that a person would consider. So he wouldn't care so much about uh, murdering thousands of people, uh, which I thought made him a much more scary ruler than Danny would have even been. So just thought this was a poor choice. Let me know what you guys think, and uh, we'll definitely miss the show. Thanks. Okay, first of all, you will not miss the show. You will miss Game of Thrones. You will not miss OCC as we will be here forever and ever and ever. Now, all-knowing characters, to our caller's point, typically don't end up being very compassionate to normal humans. Uh, my example, I'll get my favorite example. My favorite parallel to Bran, period, really, is Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. Um, he goes through a horrific accident that transforms him into a superhuman god, essentially, with yep. extra normal powers. Uh, he then goes on to use those powers for good, but eventually in time, almost becomes so warped and distorted by his own abilities, uh, both to see the future and the past in his case, that it it almost numbs him out as a human being and turns him and turns him into like a presence, right? Like an unbiased presence, almost godlike, yep. that helps to run the world. Now, when you start to think of Bran in those terms, it gets a little freaky. And I'm I'm I know that for a lot of you, and I think for you too, even Barrett still, this whole brand could be bad thing is sort of a crackpot joke still. Tell me this call doesn't frame it up for you in a scary way. It, it This call is good. Um, I, like I said, like you guys make compelling arguments about this point. I, I think that I, I really would love to know what the showrunners intended here if they intended this to be like an underlying like uh-huh. like, like if they wanted po- us thinking this and arguing yeah, it like if they wanted this to be a possibility a kind of open to interpretation or even like, if it, maybe even if they saw it coming even you like, know that, that we think that everything is is well and good now because we put the the most objective person on the throne but that actually like you, you some emotion is required to be a leader um yeah i, I it, it's a good point i feel like if the show had intended for us to go there, they would have pushed it, it further. Would have had some, some wink towards that, some nod yeah. towards the potential for Bran to be evil. Maybe. Whereas instead, we're just kind of having to like read the tea leaves. Here yeah, no, and very like much so. See the the deeper meaning in 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 various they, choices I mean, and, and if, various decisions. It's so, even a little, like you said, even a little nod. But they gave us nothing, right? So that, that's kind of, that's why I'm still kind of it gives it makes it harder hesitant to to go to go in on this. Fair theory. enough, fair enough. I and I understand that it. I really, honestly, this is not one that I wanted to find myself buying into. It just sort of has naturally happened. The more and more people have explained it, and the thing that was so that that stri- that strikes me as concerning, outside of what we just said, Bran in season seven when he's beep boop beep, and we're all making fun of him for being robotic and shit. That's the kind of like emotionless. Uh, terrifying characteristic that I'm speaking to where you no longer have the same morals or ethics or value on human life because you don't see things from that type of perspective anymore. Right. And the way they framed Bran up as the three-eyed raven very much made a contrast to where I could see him being that kind of character. But then they sort of pulled us away from it in the finale and that made it even more confusing. It's like, wait, they now did. suddenly he's handsome and has a personality again. Yeah. 
in, in, so now I don't know. But our, in terms of our callers, reasoning, it's the same place my head and heart have gone now where I'm worried about Bryn. But I, I, honestly, obviously, we're not going to get any more. No, yeah. This is it. So it's sort of speculation. Not sort of. It is speculation from here on out. But it's fun, and it's the it's the craziest of all the speculation to me. Next call. Uh, hey guys, uh, Al from Chicago calling. Um, Love the finale as much as anyone could. Um, but one thing that frustrated me about Jon Snow, uh, Aegon Targaryen, call what you want. Uh, he was just as much a Stark as he was a Targaryen. I think that he his lines, "I'm not a Stark" and this and that. Bullshit, dude. Your mom was a Stark. Uh, I think you could have embraced that starkness a little bit more. I think people kind of brushed over and thought he was a threat because of his Targaryen uh, lineage. But uh, I'm just of the mind that people should have figured out that a kid is half one parent and half the other just as much. And uh, I think that he could have been a bigger asset to the Stark uh, in the north, maybe that's why they sent him up there to a degree. But at the same time, I mean, you could have plugged that a little bit harder. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but I am all in on Jon Snow identifying as a Stark uh, rather than a Targaryen for the rest of his days, just because that name carries a, kind of a negative connotation in light of the uh, episode five. So thanks again. You guys are great. Gang, gang, gang. Bye. So, Barrett, this kind of took me in the direction of, like, I, I guess I'll, I'll pose a question to you. What was the reason that John wasn't considered for the Iron Throne, that Tyrion didn't pitch him after all that time instead of Bran? Yeah, um, that's a pretty good question. I, I think that an important part of Tyrion's explanation was that Bran... That, that selecting Bran kills the idea of the wheel of lineage, right? Being what uh, being how you decide the successor to the throne. That was a, certainly a big piece of the argument. Yeah, that that's my main thing. I think that the other part is everybody there, and especially Tyrion, who had already had this conversation with him, knew that John had no interest in being a leader. Like they were, especially now, you would have to you'd have to go down there and basically. Be like, well, you can either be king, or we're gonna chop your head off, or we're gonna tase your balls. Yeah, over over. right. Like, like that. Like that's that is the level of apathy that John had for being any type of supreme leader. I mean, you, honestly, calling it apathy isn't even fair. He was adamantly against it. Like he right. did not want to do it because he had seen all of the horrible things that power does to people. Really, yeah. I think after Danny, it was sort of. I, I agree with you. I th- I, I believe after a couple days to process that everybody on that stage has already thought through all of the John stuff and realized this isn't going to work anymore. Uh, there is it. He was an unrealistic choice. A, he's half Targaryen. How in the name of God are you going to pitch another Targaryen <laughs> to sit on the throne after what just happened? You can't. The argument will never be made again. It's no more, oh, the gods flip a coin, ha-ha. No, it's over for the Targaryen people. These are not people that are going to be considered for leadership probably ever again. That's also fair, The mental illness is too strong in their family. Some of us were not fit for leadership positions. It's not a knock on mentally ill people. It's just a fact. So 
That's a huge part of the argument for me that he's a Targaryen. And then second is the he was done. He had resigned. He was done. What you think that man wanted to have anything to do with any of this? <laughs> I mean, the Six Kingdoms in general. I mean, the North. I mean, Westeros. He doesn't want these people anywhere freaking near him anymore. He's cashed out of the game. He did everything he could. He gave it his all. He saved the fucking world repeatedly, and now he's out. That, for me, didn't hit home until 48 hours after the episode. Like, watching it, I was pissed. I was like, my boy, John, why the fuck would they not pick John? All this talk this whole time of how good of a man Jon Snow is, how Varys hasn't seen how his coin will land, this person talking to that person, talking to this person about how it should be Jon Snow, all to not even pitch him. Right, right. But it really does make sense when you think it through. Yeah. He wouldn't be even remotely close to that. The first sentence out of whoever was talking about this his mouth uh do you think john's still in a good place enough to be ruler they would immediately shut that down like no he's out we got to find him a way we got to find a way to get him safe and then also like some fucking fresh air right and that's what they did yep it all worked out perfectly any further thoughts on no i think you kind of nailed it there i appreciate that. that This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Manscaped. We've all had a patch in our lives, whether it's because of a dry spell or maybe just a little bit of laziness where uh, things downstairs can get a little bit out of control. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a little bit of hair, but going full bush is some wildling shit, and it's wrong. I think the problem for a lot of dudes is they straight up don't know what tool they should use to clean themselves up. Like for me, I would always retire my old electric facial hair razor and use that as my body hair tool. That's not what it's made for. Right, So it would nick me, snag me, cut me. It messes you. Don't do that. Manscaped came into my life, and now I have absolutely no fear of hurting my nuts with a nick or a cut (laughs) or a snag ever again, thanks to their incredible Lawnmower 2.0. And it can do the same for you. Their entire product line was created specifically for a man's distinctive grooming needs below the waist. Formulated products to cleanse, moisturize, and deodorize. Manscaped also offers tools engineered to give every gentleman a close, refined appearance, empowering men by providing the correct tools for the right job. Their complete manscaping system includes that razor I spoke to, the Lawnmower 2.0, a rechargeable waterproof trimmer with skin safe technology for a nick free trim. To learn more about Manscaped's in, uh, entire revolutionary product line, visit manscaped.com. Use the code OCC. You'll get 20% off your entire order. M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D, manscaped.com. Use the code OCC. Your balls will thank you. Next call. What's up, Clam Fam? Mike from Wisconsin here. I just wanted to comment on Tyrion, his proposal uh, as a prisoner. Uh, everybody's been mad about him having like any say because he's a prisoner. Why would he be talking? I think in that room, the only person who really thought he was a prisoner was Grey Worm. Everyone else, for the most part, knew that he was a smart guy and he has good ideas and he came up with a pretty good solution. So I think that was the reason why everybody was just letting him talk, not not just being there dumbfounded and stupid or whatever. But yeah, just want to share that. Thank you for everything you did. Thanks for doing what you did. Deuces. So when he says in that room, our caller obviously means in the, the dragon, dragon pit. pit yeah. yeah. Um, now this was this was my call to work around the rationale of uh, many people were like c- complaining ad- adamantly about Tyrion being even allowed to pitch anything at all in the dragon pit, and I thought this was a pretty good job of explaining away what happened. 
It's a ruse, essentially. The, a lot of this is playing off of what they know they have to do to satisfy other factions like the Unsullied or whatever. Yeah, but I, I see, I guess that much was clear to me. Like, I understand why everybody else is letting Tyrion speak. I didn't understand why, why Grey Worm that's was. what we were really harping on on Monday okay. is like that, you know, we joked about Grey Worm, you know, basically walking the Unsullied into a situation that didn't work out for them. Right. Like, okay, okay, choose your own king. And then that king says that their prisoner is no longer a prisoner. He's like, God damn it. Yeah. Oh, this backfired. <laughs> right. That's what we were kind of making fun of is that like the, the Unsullied had two pieces of leverage and sort of let one of them just walk up there and like start establishing the new rules yes. was weird. Yes. I get why Davos and Sansa and Bran okay. no, and for sure. Brienne I, are just letting him talk. It was the other people there that I was like, okay, come on. Like Yara. Like Dorn, like the Yara. The two random guys, sure, the Dornish okay. prince. Like they would have been like, um, excuse me, the small man with the cuffs on, why in the name of God is he talking? But I, again, I think you have to assume and you All have of to, these people want to get rid of the Unsullied and the Dothraki at this point. Like, and get that, them out of there, right? They don't want to deal with these two yeah. groups. These These people are not in the same world as them. Right. They don't operate by the same rules. They have got to appease them and get rid... I don't know what the hell they're going to do th- with the Dothraki. Uh, well, we just... we. <laughs> it's a very big problem. Yeah. We, citizen- just wrote, we just wrote them off. The citizens of King's Landing are like, well, the seven of us that are still here very much appreciate you freeing us. Maybe the Unsullied took that... Uh, I mean, the Dothraki took that deal on the Reach. God, maybe they, <laughs> they offered it to them after yeah. the... Uh, yeah, uh, now you get the Reach. <clears throat> no, but anyway... There was a lot of leaping, or not even, it's not leaps. You you just needed to safely suspend disbelief and understand that there were conversations that took place between Danny's death and that council meeting. They had yes. made a lot of decisions yeah, already. I, I, I do agree with that, yes. And I think there was a lot of strategizing that obviously not to the point of picking Bran as king or anything like that, but around how the meeting was going to be handled in terms of Grey Worm, in terms of Tyrion, in terms of Jon. They wouldn't have just gone in blind. Mm-hmm. There would have been some preemptive strategy talk. So consider that. Next call. Hey, guys. This is Hunter from Wisconsin. Uh, I'm calling because uh, I figured out who that cameo was um, that's been driving Ross nuts all these, these, those two few episodes there. And um, it's actually Kevin Durand. I noticed him from Wild Hogs and Walking Tall. So hopefully we can uh, put that at rest. But um, I'm going to miss uh, listening to... Um, you know, listening. What? What do you say at the end there? I'm gonna. He's gonna miss listening to to listening to No Limit. Oh, I don't know what he said. Dude, you're not gonna miss. We're not leaving. <laughs> but it's like people think we're gonna commit supoku or whatever. Supoku, supaku. S- yeah, Harikari. Su- yeah, that's the easy one. That's the easier one. Why? Yeah. Why? Why can't we just go with that? Why do we need another one? I don't know. It's the Japanese word, isn't I th- it? I believe I'm so, being yes. insulting to an entire uh, culture. Kevin Durand. That's why it's so hard to remember who this fucker is, because his name is Kevin Durant with a D instead of a T. Uh, yeah, so two things here. One, it, that is wildly confusing. I cannot believe that there is a semi-famous character actor out there who has the exact same name as Kevin Durant, except for my for one letter at the end is different. How is he not rebranded? So people are, are one one of, uh, of, of our followers and listeners in particular was tweeting at me that he thought that this cameo was Kevin Durant. And I kept like looking at this tweet being like, dude, that I don't think Kevin Durant was in the episode, man. And I also don't understand why you keep spelling Kevin Durant's name. Durant's seven feet <laughs> with a D. What's wrong with you? You're misspelling it. He's um, black and seven feet tall. How's yeah. he going to fit in? <laughs> 
And so I finally was like, okay, why do you keep misspelling Kevin Durant's name? And he was like, no, 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 this guy. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, the character actor. And uh, second part, no, I don't think that's him because I think he would have been credited in the episode. Now, here's where it's bizarre. Absolutely zero mention of this. I can't find anything on Reddit. I can't find anything on Variety or Entertainment Weekly. I can't find anything on... Okay, this is if, a dude that would have had it on his IMDb yes, filmography. Yes, that's what's fucked up. But Barrett, on my mother, if it's not Kevin Durand, it's his fucking twin brother. <laughs> I, I'm not joking, dude. He's a very distinct looking individual. And the second I saw him on screen, like f- two episodes into the season, I was like, holy shit, it's Kevin Durand, without knowing that was his name, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I was like, there's that fucking guy. And then he appeared a couple more times. I, I've never been more sure of anything in my entire life and also more unsure. It's sort of like the Sinbad thing. Was he in a movie called Shazam oh, in the 90s? Yeah, right, we all right. remember it, yeah. but it didn't happen. Yeah, I feel like this is the direction Kevin Durand and Game of Thrones is going for me. <laughs> I, I just don't know what to do. And the, honestly, it's like some dickhead's going to ruin this for me and go figure out and solve that it's not him and it's right. a guy that looks like him or something. And it's not going to be fun anymore. Uh, so don't do that. Just let me have this. Let me never know. <laughs> Kevin Durand. Next call. Yo, what's up, Ross and Barrett? It's Bo from Maryland here. Uh, just giving this another shot. Let's start off. I want to thank you guys but for everything you've done. It's been an amazing ride. Shout out to the Clam Fam for everyone that's been here for it. 2,209th member of the Mosque Militia right here. What, what? So let's start into the episode. Um... We're going to try to stay positive, because what's the point in bitching now? It's over. We got what we got. Let's enjoy it. Tyrion's acting is unreal. You know the shot with the torch? Think back to when he went to kill Tywin. The same thing. Like, the reminiscing is wild there. Um, what happened to the, the Arya's horse? Just out there for open discussion. Um, Grey Worm's face, if you go back to the bells when Danny fries Varys, like you can see it in his face he's like he has pleasure in it so yeah he's gone full madman you guys were talking about that in the last episode um the line that john throws in there from master amen is just like proof that how different the writing was like that one line sticks out so much and it's just a quote from an old episode so like you guys want to get into more of the writing there's that and last question is, how is Bran going to get onto the new throne? Like, Hodor's not around anymore. He's just going to create a new chair, the, the new most badass chair in the Sixth Kingdom, and just roll around in it, be his permanent throne. So, yeah, thanks again, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. All hail the Six. Uh, Barrett, give it to us one more time, please. P.S. Lena Hetty, if you're listening, you were the most badass villain in television history. Hit me up. Barry, do it. But both me brothers were soldiers. Ah. I can't believe he ended with a with a Lena Hetty. Like he went after Lena Hetty at the end. Yeah, he attempted to connect with her. It was a two thousand two hundred ninth member. He said he said Lena can get it. Yeah, of the Mollusk Militia uh, making that call, which is cool. Which is very cool. That we is appreciate very, you. That is very cool. Uh, on Patreon, we did just slip under 2,400, though, and that is unacceptable. No! Please, please, two people, go sign up right this instant. If you've been on the fence, do it now. 24, 
is an important number because that was Kobe Bryant's second number yes, in the NBA. Very, yes. And he's the Black Mamba. Yes. And and we talked about how Branch should also choose a nickname that is cooler than Brand the Bo- Broken. Right. And we suggested Black Mamba. Right. So did that just get it all to, comes full circle. Get to 2400. Thank yes, you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Um, I love that this caller is trying to stay positive. Uh, what's the point in bitching now? We got what we got. Yes, sure. But also, it, it is kind of the point of art to, to discuss it, argue it. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But I feel you, especially with we're all so burnt out on the negativity. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all yeah. just tired at this point of the complaining, of the negativity. We want to enjoy it. We love the show. We love the character. Sophie Turner made a great point yesterday. Like she spoke out finally against the petition thing and was like, "It's insulting and yeah, it's it hurtful is. to the cast, the crew." Look, if Benioff and Wise fucked up the writing, <coughs> they did. It doesn't mean the show is ruined, and it, it's a discredit and a disservice to everyone else involved to pretend that it can ruin the show. Them having some bad plot points. Uh, yeah. So as, th- as they say, real talk, because I totally agree with her. Yeah, so the other thing brought up by the call, many parallels in the finale to uh, not just other episodes in the series, although there were a lot, even the first episode, like callbacks to the very first episode of the show, uh, and you can find a million articles written online about all the different ways that they... It's almost like there was too much time spent focused on things like that, and, and they didn't get enough focus on the story. But you can see all these incredible connections they made mm-hmm. in this final episode to other points in the story, in the show, in the series. Um the argument that Grey Worm had gone like full Mad Worm by the time Mad Worm—that's hilarious. This was all said and done. Was uh, thank you was not fair to me entirely. It, it he's in the same boat as John, kind of. It's over. All of the great things that could have been that go, could have gone well in Grey Worm's life, they didn't. Mm-hmm. His 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 penis and possibly testicles were removed. His, his, his woman that he fell in love with was beheaded. His queen is gone. It's over for Grey Worm. There's no purpose for him here. He needs to go to the Isle of Noth and become a lifeguard on the beach for all the lovely Noth women. Yeah, my big... You know, Grey Worm is an, is an interesting one because they did kind of have him go, as you say, Mad Worm here. <laughs> and It is funny when you hear someone say it. He, he's like... Dude... The, the, the back half of this episode really, like, almost comically, like, shifts in tone to completely forget and move on from the 200,000 people that were just burned alive. Yeah. Grey Worm was out there slicing throats, man. He slaughtered like, the innocent. After the war was over, like, I'm going to look past, like, you know, when he goes Angel of Death style, as, as right. Benioff and Wise say, and is killing people right there in the in the heat of battle. Right. But then- Everything is calmed down. Ash is reigning over the city, and this dude is lining up Lannister soldiers and cutting throats. throats. But then at the end, he's just like, "Yes, now we sail to Noth," and we're kind of like supposed to like feel kind of good about what? that, I guess, a little yeah, they, bit. Dude, they did a weird job with his shit. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't good or bad, and it didn't make sense one way or the other. One way or the other. <clears throat> Excuse me, I didn't feel like I understood any of it. What he's feeling or thinking at that point. Yeah, yeah. I guess if yeah. the only implication is the man is going to live out his days serving the people of the woman he once loved, okay, sure. But it still was bizarre watching him go from he's full mad worm, slaughtering people in the streets, to 
He's uh, not absolutely not letting Jon Snow go, and he wants Tyrion dead as well. Two, three minutes have passed, and he's now going to Noth with neither of those men being killed, and he's just cashing in his chips. That right, was a right. that was a hard leap. Yeah. Um, that line from Maester Aemon in this episode that they readdress really did stand out in stark contrast to the writing from this season as a whole. It was sort of just like a nice pinpoint where you could say. That is what seasons one through six were like. This is what seasons seven and eight were like. It was it was just an easy one. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to get Bran onto a mobile throne, right? Like the Prince of Dorne had, right? I, I, man, I think I, I heard this part of the call and I was like, buddy, Bran's already on a throne, man. Remember, he went back in time and got like the bestest of the best yeah, yeah. wheelchairs. The one designed by the Targaryen yeah, cousin or some right, shit or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing is a throne, man. Okay. So you think it's already in good shape? It, uh, maybe they can like do some more adornments on the back of it to make uh, it a little bit more throny. Adornments, adorn, adornments. No pun, no Dornish puns here. No Dornish pun intended. We don't make Dorn jokes. That's one rule we made when we set out and we established <laughs> this show. We were like, listen, let's joke about all the things, but no jokes about Dorn or the Water Gardens. We only talk about them seriously. Right. I would true. like to see Bran put spinners on his chair. Okay. Bear, just I, one more time. One I, more time. I saw, I was at the post office the other day, and I saw for like probably the first time in five years- Spinners. A car that still had spinners on it. And no I was shit. just like, dude, it's time to bring those things back. I love spinners. Let's get some spinners on some 24-inch rims, on some Denali's again. I'm going to get spinners on my 2006 Lexus sedan. Please do. And everybody's going to respect it. But one more time, for real. <clears throat> but both me brothers were soldiers. Beautiful. This episode <laughs> of OCC is also brought to you by Felix Gray. We live constantly staring at screens, TV screens, computer screens, cell phone screens, it's movie screens, it's madness. And through these screens, technology allows us to do things that, of course, were never before possible in human history. We can communicate with friends and family in just an instant. Information is accessible in abundance in a moment, and we are constantly pushing what's capable. One-third of us Americans spend eight hours a day in front of a screen. That's crazy. 43% of Americans have jobs that require prolonged computer use And that's not even to mention all the time you spend scrolling your newsfeed on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, chilling in front of your Netflix. And as a result, 60% of Americans report symptoms of digital eye strain, which is a real problem if you're going to spend 3,500 hours looking at screens this year, and those screens emit blue light that can be harmful to your eyes, and you're experiencing like headaches or blurry vision or dry eyes or eye fatigue at the end of a long day, that is digital eye strain, and Felix Gray is the frickin' solution. Felix Grey was designed, uh, they designed blue light filtering lenses that filter out 90% of all high energy blue light. They're on a mission to protect your eyes and make every second of the 3,500 hours you spend this year staring at screens more comfortable for your peepers. Because let's face it, you're never going to have reduced screen time. If anything, you're going to have more screen time going into the future as more and more screens pop up and inevitably, eventually, you become a screen yourself. Felix Grey uses proprietary lens technology to filter blue and anti-reflective coatings on both the front and back of each lens to reduce glare. They're incredible. They're the best blue light filtering lenses on the market. The designer frames they're housed in are fantastic. I love mine. I put them on every day when I get home so that I can play Apex Legends in peace without burning out my freaking retinas, especially because I've, in most cases, been staring at a screen the entire rest of the day. You can also get yourself some of these incredible uh, designer frames with blue light filtering lenses that don't have prescriptions on them. So like for me, for instance, I wear contacts all day. Now I can get some uh, Felix Grays that protect my freaking eyes when I also have my contacts in. So 
No matter your circumstances, you can make sure you're covered at felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC today to grab yours. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y-G-L-A-S-S-E-S, felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. Next call. Ross Barrett, it's uh, Trevor from Chicago again. Um, didn't know if you guys actually knew the punchline to the Tyrion uh, brothel honeycomb uh, jackass joke, but um, this is it. All right, Tyrion walks into a brothel with a honeycomb and a jackass. The madam, what can we do for you? Tyrion, I need a woman to lay with, for mine has left me. Madam, whatever for? And what's with the honeycomb and the mule? Tyrion, my woman found a genie in a bottle, and he granted her three wishes. The first was for a house fit for a queen, so he gave her this damn honeycomb. The second was that she have the nicest ass in all of the land, so he gave her this damn donkey. And then the madam goes, and what about the third wish? Tyrion, well, she asked the genie to make my cock hang down past my knees. And the madam goes, well, that's not so bad, eh? And Tyrion goes, not so bad. I used to be six foot three. Ha ha ha. But uh, so there's the joke, um, you know, long awaited. Finally, something adds up in this show. But uh, yeah, there it is. Love what you're doing. Holy shit, somebody called in and gave us a honeycomb and jackass joke that we can use. Ross, I'm not sure how to feel about you playing that call for me. Why? It, it, I liked that the joke didn't have a punchline. I liked really? knowing, yes. Oh my God, I really wanted to know the joke. That makes it, I, I loved that I, when I thought that we were about to get the whole joke right there at the end, and then of course they don't give it to us, I thought that was fantastic. And also, where did this joke come from? Did somebody just write this? Okay, so here's the weird thing. You can actually look up Game of Thrones, like, honeycomb jackass joke. Yeah. And, and there is, is all of this insane speculation from, like, not only the last few days, obviously since the airing of the right, final episode, right. but from the last 10 years of people solving the joke <laughs> and going down. The, and essentially the version that our caller gave us uh-huh. is the version the internet has crafted to be the answer to the Tyrion riddle. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Which, he, yes, it's upsetting a little, but also it's not the actual answer, Barry. Th- okay. If that is just a, a joke that Twitter or, or the internet came up with to like be the joke, that's pretty incredible. That's a good joke. Like, I mean, this is being run on, like, Cosmo and shit. Like, they're running the joke everywhere. Yeah. Like, people are using this as the fair explanation or whatever to what the Tyrion jackass and a honeycomb joke is. It, it does make more sense also because that, that it's just an internet, you know, uh, creation because it sounds a little modern. Ah, uh, here it is. Reddit user Retro21. Yeah, because with the with the, the nicest ass and the six foot three, oh, sure. it's all no. a little, like, modern, you know what I mean? Absolutely. No, it's not. Obviously, George R. R. Martin isn't going to you know, talk about donks and his jokes about in, in the books or whatever. But uh, no, it's it's uh, was written by Reddit user Retro21. There you go. That's the punchline that people have been running with. I do love that version. You can, if you don't like that one, like Barry. No, you're fine. You're fine. It's okay, now good, that I know good. it's not the like, the real thing. The internet came up yes. with it. I'm fine with it. Okay, good. I, yeah, of co- I, I would never want to ruin something, uh, legitimately ruin something for you. Only partially or, sure, or, or sure. pretendly. Next call. And final call at that. Hey guys, this is Hillary from Houston. So I'm in the camp of overall, I liked the ending of the show, but there is one plot point that is still nagging at me. And that's the fact that in the end, it doesn't seem to have mattered that Jon Snow was Aegon Targaryen. The show's been making a big deal over the past few seasons and building up the fact that R plus L equals J 
And Bran is going back and the visions and seeing his dad who finds Leanna and Ned's promising Leanna to keep her son safe. I mean, Varys even dies because he's trying to get the word out to everyone of Jon's true identity. And then in the end, Bran ends up as king and Jon is wandering north of the wall. I'm a lawyer, so I can argue with myself that John being Aegon is necessary because it helped him move forward the idea that Danny was becoming the Mad Queen. Um, she's paranoid that he maybe has a stronger claim to the throne. Other people might be wanting to support John instead of her. But I feel like they also could have turned her Mad Queen without that part of the story. Um, probably the most helpful part of John being a Targaryen was that he was able to get past Drogon and actually kill Danny. I'm not even totally against the idea of Bran being the king. I just felt like they sort of left this plot point hanging out there after making such a big deal over it over so many seasons. It just didn't matter at the end. Anyways, wanted to hear y'all's thoughts. Thanks. Uh, for starters, anytime someone says in the end it doesn't really matter, uh, that Linkin Park song plays in my head and then it's stuck there for... In the end. I think that's how it goes. That's close enough. Yeah. Uh, this was That's my... how a lot of Linkin Park songs go. It's most of them. Yeah. Most of them. R.I.P. to their main guy. Yes. Uh, this was my biggest beef, too. Jon Snow... I... Now, I've stated several biggest beefs over the past few days. This is my cur- my current biggest beef. The other ones I've processed. This one is still sitting as a chunk in my stomach. I don't agree with it, though. It, the, it, his parentage is a, bit, is a bit wasted, almost? Yeah. Okay. It, because, to me maybe the most important thing it does is it 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 calls into action that duty is the death of that like the duty is the death of love thing okay basically. okay like it, it, had he never known had they never figured this out he would have stayed in love with daenerys and she possibly doesn't go mad queen yeah yeah so it's important. like so it ruins the the reveal is what ruins the relationship between he and Daenerys, and I think that's what's part important. Of, and is part of the equation that sends her over the edge. I think we were seeing it as such a positive, and we had framed it up as like such a the discovery of Jon Snow's true parentage. Like yeah. it was this good thing, right? Like his mom wasn't raped; she was in love with this guy, and they got married in secret, and it was a love story, and and none of this was necessary. None of this shit needed to happen. It well, first of all, it's that that none of this needed to happen. It's all based on one lie, which is that this woman was raped and stolen by this man when they, in fact, were in love with each other and they have a child legitimately. That was all one lie that caused all of this. So if you yes. want to argue it, that it's unimportant, no, yeah, the it, whole fucking story was put into motion yes. by that lie. But then on top of that, yes, without John and the complicated nature of his parentage, it doesn't ruin his da- his relationship with Danny, and she doesn't go full Mad Queen. So it was incredibly important to the story. Yeah. It just feels like it was wasted because we expected it to be a positive be a, thing. Right, or to be a bigger... Uh, the the like big ending. Overall deal, yes. Yeah, like yeah, a like right. a like a Lord of the Rings uh, book th- or uh, movie number three, where he becomes king of whatever the fuck I, f- I forget the name of the place, but mm-hmm. which is sad. But we're we're deep into Game of Thrones here. Don't don't you know come after me for not being able to remember the name of the white city or whatever <laughs> it is at the end. Gandalf? No, G- Gondor. Gondor, king of Gondor, right? That's what he becomes I, at I the end. I have no idea. Whatever. <laughs> 
uh, this was, it felt like we were going towards that, where this ends with Jon Snow, the king, and everybody's sure, all, sure. all is right with the world. And, and that was just never going to be the case again. That was our own delusion playing against us a little bit, I think. And adding negativity to the story where there doesn't need to be any. Because big picture, Jon being Aegon Targaryen was incredibly important. Um, and it just would have been nice if there had been like three seasons for all this to play out at the end instead of uh, 13 episodes. Yeah. Um, just last thing to add about it, though, it, it, it also just pushed forward the entire conversation around identity, mm-hmm. around Theon being able to be both a Greyjoy and a Stark, about your your, your nature versus, versus nurture. Not necessarily determining or I'm, yeah, it's weird because we your, get your the biology argument. not and, and family not necessarily determining your nature or. Maybe it does play a part. It, like, it plays it both ways on this show, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. So it's, it's, it all kind of, it added to the conversation around identity, which I think is very crucial to the show. You know what I'll take all of the Danny Mad Queen and all of the different flaws and shit we've seen and I'll compare it to is like, uh, it, is, it is very similar to real life. Like, for instance, I'll, I'll give you one for me. I have panic disorder and anxiety attacks or whatever. Barry, you know this about me. Yes. Anybody who's listened to the Ross Boland podcast is very familiar with my struggle with all this shit. I talk about it very openly. It is not a weird thing for me. It's incredibly normal. Um, that is the result of genetics. It's the result of genetics that put me in line to have that issue if I did certain things that would allow that to then become that, like, opens the that door, yeah. So in my my case, I think that I did things in high school and college, uh, drug and alcohol-wise, it sort of sprung, it made that so it could be possible. Right. And then me not doing things to combat it, like eating healthy, living healthy, and living correctly, gave it the opportunity to come to the forefront and be a problem in my life. I think that's how genetics sort of work, and it's sort of explained in the show if you allow the things that could make you to break you, they will. But it is a choice. And everybody has to make their choice about which way they're going to. It's nothing in that, if you want to look at it from what the message I'm taking, nothing is completely predetermined. It's, it's you may, maybe you're uh, tilted one direction or the other. But it's up to you to decide who are you going to be. Right. Even in some cases, it may fucking kill you to go against the grain of what you were supposed to do. But... It is your decision, ultimately, as a human being, what you do as, with your with your time on this planet. That was my big takeaway. And sort of like my big message from the show as a whole, almost, was like, I, everything affects everything, sort of. It, it None of it is really one thing you can point directly to another as the cause or effect. Sure. Everything is... That everything it, plays a part. And that's the big cycle with all the White Walker symbols and the, it's all... Everything is sort of connected was my, was my takeaway. And then there's Bran, which throws a loop into all of it. And <laughs> and who knows if it was just the Bran story. But, dude, you've seen this picture, right, Barrett? I'm going to pull it up because I've got it on my phone right quick. Uh, it's the It was a drawing done by a fan years ago. And it's of Bran Stark, and it's of him warging with this massive warg circle tree thing behind his head. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he's got marionette puppets of all the other main characters, and wow. he's playing with them. And this, he's got the Night King, Jon Snow, uh, Melisandre, he's got Cersei, he's got Danny, he's got Tyrion. I'm going to put it up on our Instagram at, uh, what, Clams and Cockles on Instagram? Mm-hmm. No, wait, that's not no, right. Oysters. Always the reverse. Yep. Oysters, Clams, Cockles on Instagram, Clams yes. and Cockles on Twitter. So y'all can see it. But this is the thing that, it, 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 nothing has messed me up worse than this photo. Nothing. Because somebody drew this years ago, Barrett. 
Yeah. Somebody saw this sort of coming years ago, and that really uh, that freaks me out. That might be the, the, the biggest... What you've just showed me right there might be the biggest, uh, you know, check in the column for Bran being a sort of some type of evil genius. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's the argument is there to be made yes. for sure. Yep. Now, in, I, like I said earlier on in the show, I'll be shocked, Barrett, if this isn't touched on at all in the featurettes. Okay. Bran and his purpose and his background and what if that's not touched on by Benioff and Weiss in the featurettes, I'll be shocked. That being said, if it's not touched on Benioff and Weiss by the Futurettes, we will find somewhere it's touched on by somebody, and we'll discuss it on Friday's Patreon episode. Indeed. Which will be available on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Obviously, it's what? May 22nd. So if you join the Mollusk Militia right now, it's 10 bucks, and you're going to get access this Friday to the new episode, uh, the final episode of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles that is focused entirely on Game of Thrones. But in addition to that, you're going to get the last four Friday episodes as well. So if you want to go back, you need some more OCC, even more things to think through, discuss, talk about. Well, there you go. Four other additional Friday-only Patreon-exclusive episodes of OCC become immediately available for you to listen to the second that you pay your dues, your subscription fee, and become a member of the Mollusk Militia. Then moving forward into June, we're going to be switching up the tier. Obviously, we have one tier right now on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. It's the Mollusk Militia, and it granted you access to all the incredible stuff we were doing for for Game of Thrones, specifically in May and at the end of April. Well, that's not going to make sense next month, right? We're going to put up our June content offering very soon. You'll be able to see exactly what you're getting in June before you're charged for anything. So for those of you who never took the time, or maybe you didn't think it was worth it to join the Mollusk Militia during the, uh, during the season, you've made a grave error. <laughs> error. E-R-R-O-R. That's how it's spelled. Ten bucks, five extra episodes of the show, plus written content. Uh, I'm probably going to end up writing a column today it, for my, my sort of putting a bow on Game of Thrones for myself, which will be available in one place and one place only. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Um, and again, we will announce and put and document our June content offering on the Patreon page in the coming days and weeks, and we'll be talking about it in depth on the show as well. So any updates you need, you know where to find them. And I'll send out a message to every single member of the Mollusk Militia on there later today as well, just in case for those who maybe missed this episode of the podcast so you're fully in the loop as well. Uh, That being said, we have a new show sponsor today before we move into some Game of Thrones and OCC by the numbers stuff. Uh, Barrett, have you heard of Cricket Shirts? I have, I have. Yes, badass polos. Local company, gotta love that. Oh, dude, feels so good to be doing things local. Their player's shirt is an awesome fabric, perfect for summer, for on or off the golf course. They have a shirt called Valerian Steel, even ironically. Wow. One of their owners is actually Luke Wilson. That's the name of my fantasy football team, Valerian Steel. Oh, I thought you I thought you meant Luke Wilson was the name of your fantasy team. I no, was but like, I, I might change it to that this year now. Didn't realize you were such a fan of the Godfather. Um, <laughs> you use the code OCC at Cricket to get 20% off your entire order, whether you're on the golf course or going to the bar. Cricket Shirts has you covered. OCC, OCC, OCC will get you 20% off at CricketShirts.com. That's C-R-I-Q-U-E-T Shirts.com. CricketShirts.com. Use the code OCC to get 20% off. I'm going to run through some numbers quickly, Barrett. Okay, because I think they're fun. Yes. Game of Thrones uh, viewership for this last episode, 19.3 million. It was a 4.9% increase from the prior week's record, the Bells. 
they've been breaking their own records, if, yes. you, if you didn't guess that already. For contrast, this was interesting to me, 100 million people watch the Super Bowl. So this is something else that I, that I kind of dug into a little bit because I was curious how, how, to game, how Game of Thrones series finale compared to other stuff. Okay. 19.3 million, which I think we can all assume is probably way higher given that people had watch parties, given that people share HBO Go passwords. That is Just, a very low number. Compared to what you think the reality is. I think the reality is probably like one and a half times that. I think it's probably more like 30 million, if not more. Honestly, I, I think it could be two and a half, three times that. It, it, yeah. It, potentially, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's not the way they do ratings. So 19.3 is a good number. Um, both The Sopranos, the Sopranos series finale was about at 11.9, mm-hmm. I want to say. Mm-hmm. So this almost 13.4. So 13.4 was actually the highest rated Sopranos show of Oh, all that was the season four opener. It wasn't yes. even the finale. Wow. The, the series finale did like about 11.9. Wow, that's yeah. very weird. It is. That was 17 years ago, by the way. Holy Man. fuck nuts. Season uh, four was, not, not the finale. And uh, the series finale of Breaking Bad did about 10 million. Holy sh- Okay, so this is very good. So this is really, really good. And, and I think that's where, Barrett, our mainstream issue comes in of all of the opinions. Twice as many people as Breaking Bad, dude. Twi- the, all of the opinions. Everyone watching. That, that's what gives you all the negativity and the pessimism and the so, fuckery. Honestly. Now, before I give you some other kind of insane numbers, it's important to remember that I, I, I hope I don't botch this number. I'm probably going to be close to accurate. It doesn't matter because the, the point will remain the same. The number of shows that are offered in 2018 and 2019 is something like a 300% increase from what it was just like six years ago. Like the- In terms of options. In terms of options. So keep those in mind as I- That is very important. As I read you some of these other other numbers, which are just fucking bonkers. And I had honestly not even considered Um, that, that the the fact that we have so much access to all these different shows now very much does diminish the opportunity that a show like Game of Thrones would have to be the focal point. Which is why it was so incredible, because one of the things that we're really, really going to miss is that you're going to be able to walk into a restaurant or a bar wherever and like- Everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna be able to talk and want to talk about Game of Thrones. It's the like, thing you always bring up. Now it's we'll gonna, right. never have. It's that gonna be again. fractured into fourteen different shows, and we'll have a little bit. I mean, we'll get versions. Stranger Things will be cool. Sure. I mean, there's yep. ones that'll pop up that are gonna be like in the, but and, not it, at this scope, dude. Right. Exactly. Breaking Bad, half. Yep. That's crazy, dude. A uh, <laughs> hundred and five million people watched the Mash series finale. Mind-boggling. <laughs> that was 1983. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, so there were like three up. channels, but... 105 million? Million people watched the series finale of MASH. Wasn't that like a fifth of the world at that point? <laughs> Holy shit, that's crazy, man. 84.4 million watched the series finale of Cheers. What? Okay, so we're this is much like that was the CD. It's like the CD era to the streaming era of music. The numbers just don't match up anymore, man. No, they don't. Yeah. And, and this is also, again, like 1993, like... Not even everybody had cable at this point. And there's like 26 so, channels. And there's, so there's, there's so there's the the options are are microscopic compared to to what's available yeah, no, today. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, seventy six point three million watched the series finale of Seinfeld. Fifty two point five million for the series finale of Friends. And I'd also be interested to know how many of these views are 
like within the first week versus like all time. You know what I mean? Because obviously, like HBO says, each episode of this season, th- these were the these were like the overnight ratings. Okay, so the, every episode of this season has averaged forty four point two million viewers is a number that they are holding for season eight of Game of Thrones. They're saying that in time, forty four point two million per episode. Jeez. Okay. And that the finale will likely get bumped up even higher in the in the coming days. Uh, a little bit lower on the list. This one was super wild to me. Thirty five point five million for the series finale of Home Improvement. Wow! Holy <laughs> shit! Uh, Tim Allen is a rat bastard, by the way, um, dude. That av- average I just told you forty four point two million is a ten million increase from season seven. God, that dude. If you told uh, them, Benioff and Weiss. All right, you'll average 10 million more viewers in this season. They would have just started masturbating everywhere. <laughs> like that's that's the goal. You want that kind of growth I mean, and they it's achieved in, it's, it. It's insane. So yeah. The anyway, most but... watched episode of any HBO show ever. Yeah. Uh it tops the record of 13.4 million that the season 4 opener of The Sopranos pulled off 17 years ago. I mean, it's absolutely insane to, to consider April 17th, 2011 is when Game of Thrones aired. It, it was broadcast in 207 countries and territories, simulcast in 194 countries and territories, according to HBO. Over seven seasons, it received 132 Emmy Award nominations at 147. It got seven Golden Globe nominations and one win. What the fuck's wrong with the Golden Globes? 18 SAG Award nominations, seven wins, 17 Critics' Choice Award, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. Uh, reportedly, the final season... $90 million price tag is what's being estimated. It has not been confirmed one way or the other by HBO, but that's pretty astounding for a six-episode run. That, yeah, I guess. That seems, that that honestly seems a little low. Dude, it's me. six sodes. Six. That's like, what? I mean, let's well, say I Battle of the I, Bastards cost 30 or something. Dude, I thought they were spending, I thought they were spending more than that. I thought they had like $200 million for this. I don't know. That's the number I found. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, they have 100 licensees globally, licensees. It's the most licensed program in HBO history. It's not shocking. A lot of these numbers are from Forbes, by the way. Uh, over the course of its eight seasons, it was filmed in 10 countries, including Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Morocco, Malta, Spain, Croatia, Iceland, United States, Canada, Scotland. There have been 50 locations in Ireland. That's nuts. 49 in Northern Ireland and one in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, Belfast and Northern Ireland have become home to Titanic Studios. They have six of the shooting stages that house the interiors of Winterfell, Castle Black, the High Hall of the Erie, the Sky Cells of the Erie. We got to go visit this shit. They have all these incredible sets. Um, What else? Oh, uh, 12,986 extras were used in Northern Ireland alone, which is nuts. 2,000 Northern Ireland crew members across the series is eight seasons. Northern Ireland. It's wild to consider this, how much involvement internationally there was to create this show. Um, Bernadette Caulfield is one of the American television producers that is like one of the big wigs as a producer on this television show. I just, when you're thinking about like what all it took to make this, she straight up moved to Belfast. She had to move to Belfast. She'd been living in Belfast for eight years, basically. Like as a project, like now I live here. Yes. This is my home now. Yep. That is, it is super wild, man. Okay, here's a fun one. Post-production work per season all right season one was 17 weeks season two 21 weeks after they finished filming to post-production season three 20 weeks season four 21 season five 22 season six 24 season seven 30 weeks and then season eight 42 (laughs) weeks of post-production work that's amazing 42 freaking weeks 
That's God that's basically. I mean, that's like that's damn that's that's damn near a year. It's nuts. Here's some specific production numbers like to Northern Ireland. They had to uh, produce three thousand seven hundred forty eight pounds of rubber and one point five tons of metal to create the uh, armory. Thirteen hundred shields were created. Fifty two thousand bags of paper snow were used. To, <laughs> dude, who's problem was it to keep track of these numbers got to be careful with those bags of paper snow you know what i'm saying you know what I'm i know saying? i do know what you're saying <laughs> i actually do know what you're saying because of rehab 163 tons of propane 3,000 pyrotechnic effect i mean we can go on and on google this shit if you want to read the entire uh forbes article it is incredible they have stuff like they used 12,137 wigs and hair pieces isn't that wow. nuts yeah Daenerys' wig color and style is the result of more than two full months of testing and seven prototypes. Man. Now I'm imagining them going into rooms with the fucking focus group and holding <laughs> up two wigs and being like, which one leads you to believe she goes Mad Queen more? <laughs> and then you pick. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, from us, by the numbers, what a ridiculous ride this was doing Game of Thrones, uh, podcasting about Game of Thrones for several years for Barrett and I. We This season being like far and beyond, above and beyond the craziest thing I've ever been a part of. Considering I've written a book, considering both of us have worked for years and years at a massive media startup with incredibly popular brands, and nothing has really held a candle to this, it really truly is like astonishing. It's been an honor, and we appreciate y'all, uh, Clam Fam, for writing with us. Millions of you listen to this show. I mean, we did... We did in the last thirty days, for example, we did a million three hundred thousand downloads, not counting Spotify. That's almost the full season, so it gives you sort of an idea. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it truly is nuts. We went from a point where like when we first started doing this podcast and we'd get five thousand downloads on an episode, we would freak out. We thought it was <laughs> the coolest thing in the world. And it got to the point where like when I was getting home and putting up a new episode of OCC this season on Monday. Uh, like I'd put it up and go take a piss and come back and we'd have more than 5,000 downloads. So like <laughs> it really did completely ruin my, my uh, like what is that word that I'm looking for? My perspective on numbers at all. Right. Uh, like right. I'll never be able to make sense of how many people listen to anything else I do ever again because this is so much bigger than it was supposed to be uh, and it, it's just been crazy to be a part of and we appreciate y'all so much for listening. But then also... Uh, we do ask, like, for, for far too many of you, you're like, oh, my God, Barrett and Ross are dead to me now. No, come on. So much good stuff to watch on TV. So many good movies coming out. And as I mentioned at the top, it's not just on HBO either. It's We have so many platforms. There is more incredible content being produced for our eyes to take in than there ever has been before. Uh, we are very much in the fucking middle, smack dab middle of the golden age of television and movies, and we are going to take full advantage of that by talking about all the best stuff on TV and film for years to come on OCC. Uh, so for those of you who have listened and supported us over the years, thank you. For those of you who are new, thank you. For those of you who want to continue to support us moving forward, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles is where our final episode ever focused just on Game of Thrones will come out this Friday. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. And then when we come back next week, we're going to be talking about all manner of shit, baby. And by next week, do I mean the week after that, Barrett? You're the one with the schedule in your brain. We will have one episode next week. Just one regular ad-based episode next week. Good, good. We just have not decided what exactly we're going to talk about there yet. Which is kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. That's what makes this so much fun, mm-hmm. is that we can literally talk about whatever the <laughs> fuck we want. Beyond Game of Thrones, beyond A Song of Ice and Fire, beyond HBO even, beyond television. We're just going to bring you the most prevalent and relevant in television, movies, and entertainment 
Uh, and, and of course, we look forward to further interacting with and learning from and getting to know all of you as well, well into the future. So stick around. Don't unsubscribe, obviously. Continue to tell your friends and family about OCC and how much you love uh, listening to Ross and Barrett talk about TV shows. If you can assume safely, like I think you can assume safely, that if you enjoyed listening to us talk about Game of Thrones, there's no reason you wouldn't love and enjoy listening to us talk about anything else. 100%. And also, I mean, there are some, you know, randos out there that didn't actually watch Game of Thrones, but maybe they're into Big Little Lies or The Handmaid's Tale or Succession or Stranger Things or, you know, it could just Great British Baking Show or Veep or Barry or one other, you know. Why does Great British Baking Show always make its way into your fucking (laughs) list of shows? I've watched a couple. It is very relaxing. I'm just, you know, shouts to the, to the, to the big heads that's there. an anxiety antidote right there the for rbp listeners it is great british baking show uh so yeah man maybe they're into that stuff in which case the show is only going to get more interesting to them yeah we're going to be talking and about all manner very of shit. Sing- singular minded Ooh. here one track mind narrow focus not only that but now it's getting broad baby we should be able to stack even more listeners and followers not to like toot our own horns or anything but there's never been a more difficult show to cover than than game of thrones uh it was made to be as complicated as, as it was as we've discussed many times george r. r martin actually fully intended for it not to be able to be made into a tv show or a movie because he hated those people yes. now talking I wanna, about i want to talk about that on friday yeah, yeah oh good yeah. normal shows are going to be so much more fun, uh, so much less work. And I don't mean so much less having to focus on these little intricate details and more about us talking about what we liked, didn't like, what we think is funny or not funny, all the good things that are, it's less uh, life and death and yeah, more yeah. let's have a good time together. It, yes. Which which is going to be, a, uh, I'm looking forward to that very much so. Because this has been a lot, no lie. It's been a lot. I My love God. Good, I love good times. Yes. I love lamp. Uh, <laughs> at oysters, clams, cockles on Instagram. At clams and cockles on Twitter. Facebook.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. I'm Ross Bolin. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at W-R-B-O-L-E-N. If you're like, I'm retiring from podcasts. I'm never listening to another podcast again. Fine. Still follow me on social media, you psycho, so that you can keep up with all the other shit that I do. Uh, Barrett, where can everybody follow you and hear more from you? Hear more from me. See more from me. Just, you know, um, jump... Jump in there. Jump into the deep end. Jump on me. <laughs> I was wondering uh, where you were Instagram going to go and t- Instagram and Twitter at Barrett Dudley. And uh, check out my other podcast, the Club Cool Podcast, where we meet at the intersection of style and pop culture. For example, today we're actually going to be talking about the most stylish television shows and movies of all time. Oh, yeah. I so, love that. So a little, you know, a little bit of a parallel here, but uh, but that's what we lead with. We like to talk about clothing. We like to talk about you know, fashion and, fashion and and all that stuff. So so check it out. We do if pop you, culture and stuff as well, and it's it's great. If you Club like cool. listening to Barrett talk, you will love Club Cool. If you like the movie Zoolander <laughs> and you don't like listening to Barrett talk, you will still love Club Cool. So that's kind of my synopsis. There you go. Uh, yeah. The Ross Bolin Podcast, as I mentioned, is the name of my other show. Uh, yesterday's episode was called Fat People on Planes. We talked about... Whether it's trash to leave your car on while you pump gas, that's the sort of thing. If you like Curb Your Enthusiasm style humor, that's sort of like the direction that I've gone with my life. You can, you, okay, that wilds me out. You That weirds, wilds me out. That weirds me out. You can leave your car on now to get gas? It apparently was always fun. Huh. It's a, it's been a, it's like a, an old wives tale that you can't do that? No. I mean, there's a 0.00.08% chance you're going to explode. Yeah. Which means turn off your car, psychos. <laughs> Don't. What is it? What, just turn off the car. Anyway, that was actually not last episode. Last episode we talked about 
Tyler, the creator's new album, Igor. We mm. talked about sports. Uh, the end of the Game of Thrones era. I gave some anxiety anecdotes. The Ross Boland podcast. Go give it a shot. All encompassing. It is. It is it's very encompassing. Not all, but very. Almost all encompassing. We should leave, Barrett. Okay. We really, yes. really yes. should. Where's, where's, my, uh, where's my intro, outro little sentence that I read here? Hold on. I'm almost there. Nope, that's it. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. We would very much appreciate it if you would do that. Even if you listen on Spotify or SoundCloud, no matter where you listen to OCC, we would appreciate it if you would rate and review on Apple Podcasts. We are out. This episode of OCC was recorded and produced by Mike Moody and Grant Davis at Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Thank you to everybody who's listened with us, who's uh, watched Game of Thrones with us, enjoyed it over the years. There is one more Game of Thrones-centric episode coming Friday on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Join the Mollusk Militia. Check out what we've got going on Patreon moving into June and forward into the future. This show, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, is evolving into the best in television, movies, and entertainment. For years to come, we are not going anywhere. We will be littering our conversations with the pop culture references you have come to know and love. Clam fam, do not leave us. We will see you next week. Adios. Bye.